I am so excited about today's episode. This is my very first interview ever, and I am talking with Sophie, who paid off a large amount of student loans in a very short period of time. Anyone who has debt can benefit from this conversation. Let's jump in. Hi. Welcome to Healthy Wealthy Roots, a podcast about financial wellness, mental health, and parenthood. All right. Hi, Sophie. Hello. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about how I met you so that everybody knows. We met on Clubhouse and for people who are not familiar, it's a relatively new app and it's an audio chat app and there are chat rooms devoted to specific topics. So we've been talking about uh, personal finance on Clubhouse. And I heard Sophie's story and it was absolutely amazing. I had absolutely no clue how she accomplished this. And I was like, I need to know more information. So Sophie is um, a graduate and she paid off $120,000 in 26 months. And so I wanted to get her on here so that she could talk about her story and how she did it. So Sophie, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, of course. Um, Thanks for having me first off. So a little bit more about myself. Um, I am 24 years old. (laughs) I grew up in Stockton, California. Not sure if anyone who's listening to this is familiar with Stockton, but Google it, Stockton, California. Um, neither of my parents went to college. My dad actually dropped out of high school and he came to the U.S. when he was about like a toddler from Mexico. My mom graduated um, from high school um, and they both married relatively young and started a family relatively young as well. Um, And so for me, um, you know, it was big to go to college. They ingrained that into my head into the, you know, for my siblings as well, they just wanted us to go to college. Um, So with that being said, I did end up going to a private school, Drexel University to be exact. At the time, I didn't really know much about college. Um, I just knew that I essentially needed to get away and do something and not just be confined, um, you know, from how I grew up and how my family essentially grew up as well. So that encouraged me to go away for college. So again, going to Drexel. So I moved from California to Philly. And from there, I did major in accounting. So I do have an accounting background. And I started my career off working at a big four accounting firm within their tax services department. However, I knew that that wasn't essentially what I wanted to do long term. I didn't see myself really becoming a tax manager. I didn't really feel passionate about it. So that kind of encouraged encourage me to do a little bit of a career switch pretty early on, I would say. So now I'm a, an early talent recruiter um, for a top bank in New York City. Wow. So you are 24 years old. Kind of give me the timeline. When did you graduate from college? Yeah, good question. So at Drexel, they have this five-year three co-op program that I essentially enrolled in. So what that means is that you go to school for five years 
for your bachelor's. Um, and throughout those five years, you do three six-month co-ops. And co-ops are basically, I would say, think about it as a six-month internship. So with that being said, you really work six months of the year. And then the other six months, you go to school. And those six months, if you're working, you're like basically like a true employer. You're working 40-hour plus weeks. Um, you have to apply to these jobs, go through that whole interview process. Um, so that's essentially how that worked. And then when I was at Drexel, I mean, Drexel is a private school. So off the back, it was relatively more expensive. And I didn't qualify for the Pell Grant or any state grants because my parents were technically middle income earners. So throughout all of the colleges that I applied for, the only financial aid I really got was anything merit-based um, or additional scholarships that I found. Okay. So through that, <laughs> yeah, so then through that, I kind of, as my college, throughout my college year, I started getting more aware of like, okay, now this year I have to take out this much in loans or my mom has to take out that much in loans. Um, so I kind of wanted to fast track myself. So I actually ended up graduating in about like three and a half years instead of the five. So I only did two out of those three co-ops. So how were you able to graduate in three years? So it wasn't an ideal path. I was recommended against it, but I still did it. Um, but basically every term I maxed out. So I think at Drexel, the max there was 20 credits. And since I was essentially going the public accounting route, you needed additional credits to qualify for the CPA if I wanted to you know, sit and take that exam, which at that time, that was the path I was going towards. So again, I took about 19 to 20 credits every term. And then when I was on co-op, I was also taking a class at Drexel because it was a free, essentially it was a free class. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna like knock out some credits there. And then to ensure that I received those additional credits for the CPA, I was also enrolled at a community college um, in Philly and taking online classes. Okay, so Sophie works very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, that not an clear. ideal path. <laughs> that is clear. So were you able to enjoy life because you're busy with classes and even when you're working, you're still taking classes? Did you do things outside of school? Yeah. Um, so I feel like if anything, my experience was not the typical college experience, as you know, people would probably think going away and especially going across the country for college. Um, but I think I still enjoyed my college experience. I wouldn't say that I'm, I missed out on things, um, but I think that just comes from essentially like how I was raised. I was always like pretty big in the books um, and like doing all these extracurricular activities. So yeah, I did, I did still see friends and everything, but I think it was just more so I kept myself busy, but through keeping myself busy, it allowed me to better allocate like my time. Like I felt like I wasn't wasting time, if that makes sense. So it sounds like you were very motivated and you kind of stayed focused on what your ultimate goal was, which was to get your degree. Yeah. And Drexel, it's also like because of the co-op program, I feel like the mentality of people who go to Drexel is very different because it's like a career oriented school. Gotcha. Okay. So before we start talking about your debt, do you think 
that anyone can pay off debt. And the reason why I'm asking you this question is, I know we're going into talking about paying off $120,000 in a very short period of time. And some people listening may be like, I am never going to be able to do that. So do you think that anyone can pay off debt? Yes, um, I actually do think anyone can pay off debt. However, I think more the more important question is how badly do you want to be debt free? Um, because obviously no one wants to have debt, right? But there's some people who they're even though they don't want debt, they're they I guess they're okay with it because their actions aren't showing that they want to be debt free. Um, but I do think anyone is capable of it. I think the timeline may vary from one person to the other, but I do think everyone is capable of being debt-free if they truly want to be debt-free. And with that, it comes, obviously, you know, you have to be in the right mindset to start tackling your debt. I like that. I like the, uh, that part that you just said. It's kind of like when they have the asterisk and it says conditions may apply. Uh, <laughs> the timeline may vary. So when you talk about paying off debt, your story is not going to be anyone else's story. It's yours, which is why I wanted to hear from you. Okay, so how exactly did you uh, get to 120000 yeah, so about 20,000 of it came from my federal student loans, and that was a mix of unsubsidized and subsidized student loans. Um, so essentially, every year that I went to college, I like took out money aside from my senior year that I decided to pay off myself. And then for the remaining balance, my mom essentially went in and took out the direct parent plus loan. So my freshman year, I think, was actually the most expensive year because I had to pay for room and board and then you have to pay for the meal plan. So, again, like that's just additional money. So I think my freshman year alone, I, I want to say my mom probably had to take out about like 28000 in a parent loan. And then I probably took out like 10000 in student loans. Um, but, yeah, it was every year we essentially had to take out I had to take out the student loans and then my mom took out the parent plus loan. But again, this money that we took out, it was purely for like the tuition. Um, since I was working while going to college, I was, well, once I started working, I was paying my rent, all of my additional expenses. So I didn't use the loans to cover my rent or my food. Because I know sometimes people do that, but that wasn't the case here. Okay. And yeah, those meal plans can really rack it up. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like 1800 per term. And I was like, I don't even eat $1,800 worth of food for a term. <laughs> so it was a combination of loans that you took out and that your mom took out. Was your mom planning to help you pay them back off? Yeah. So I guess going to college we never really talked about that. It was more so like my parents like, oh, you're, when you turn 18, you're going to go to college. And if you don't go to college, then you're getting kicked out and we're not hoping to support you. So you <laughs> might as well go to college, right? Um, so that was the route I took. Um, and then in terms of like the parent loan, it was more so like, oh, just let us know what we need to sign to make sure that your tuition is paid for. Um, and yeah, I think, I would say we didn't really think about any of that. It was just more so like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But were you we're expecting, 
were you expecting that you'd have to pay the whole thing off? No, I mean, I think if I had asked my mom, like, hey, do you want to pay this month? I'll pay that month. I'm pretty sure she would be willing to. And even throughout the journey, she would always be like, Sophie, like, I'm going to like give you this much money. I'm like, mom, no, it's fine. I already made the payment. Like, I don't need your money. <laughs> kind of like me being prideful, I would say, because <laughs> I've seen it happen with my siblings. So I'm the youngest of three. Um, and when they graduated, my parents were kind of stuck with that parent loan and they weren't receiving assistance from my siblings end. Um, so that kind of motiv motivated me to take on the full responsibility because with me being the youngest, I saw the you know, the, just the struggles that it brought to my parents. And I just didn't want, I knew that I didn't want to be a cause of their marital problems. Okay. I understand that. And so you graduate, you celebrate, and then you're like, oh my goodness, I have all of this money to pay off. Tell me what were your initial thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> So I graduated in March, 2018, and I was supposed to graduate in June, 2019. Um, so when I graduated in March, I was just like, okay, I know I have roughly like a hundred K in debt, like off the back. I didn't, I don't even think I bothered really checking. I just knew like realistically, I probably have hundred K. Oh, well type of thing. Um, and then I remember I always said like, oh, well, you know what? I'll pay it off in five years. Like, I feel like five years is pretty ideal. Right. I was just, again, talking in my head and also with like one of my advisors, I would tell her like, oh, like I'm going to have this much amount, but I'll be debt free in five years. Um, and then it didn't really hit me until the first payment was due. So the first payment was due in September of 2018. And that's essentially when I like had to sign into like my mom's account. And that's when I saw all the balances. Um, so my mom took out loans for me and for my brother. So I was just like adding up my, the loans that belonged to me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a lot. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like, um, yeah, I don't know how this is going to really happen. So I think that was like my, my moment where I was just like, oh, wow. Like, how am I actually going to pay this off? And you have an accounting background. So did anything that you learned in school help prepare you for having to pay off debt? That's a good question. Like, I feel like my accounting background, I mean, it definitely taught me a lot about like financial statements. Um, I guess like how to look at numbers or overall concepts. Like I knew what an interest rate was after taking like accounting and finance courses, but I feel like it was just different in terms of student loans. Like no one really talks about student loans. Um, the school I went to is a relatively rich school. No one really had to take out loans because their parents were paying for their education. Um, so I would say, I think it probably provide, I would say it provided me with a foundation, but in terms of tackling student loans and knowing my repayment options, I wouldn't say it did. And that's one of the things I think that a lot of people kind of have a pet peeve around the fact that so many people have student loans and no one's really talking about how to pay them off, right? Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> so you figure out what your figure is. Where did you start? Yeah, so I made that first payment in September of 2018 and I didn't 
at that first payment, I didn't even make just the minimum payment because I did have a loss just sitting in my savings account. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just, I'm feeling like putting like, I don't know. I think it was probably like 2000. So I was like, oh, I'll just pay 2000. Just a random number that I decided to pay and I paid it. Um, and at that time I had started working already like my full-time job, but it was like pretty slow to be honest. So I was just like, okay, well, what should I do with my time? No one's giving me work. I'm pretty bored. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to get my personal things in order. So that one of them being student loans. Um, so whenever I'd be at work, I would just be on my laptop Googling things about how to repay my student loans. So I was like, literally just me going to Google and typing how to pay off student loans ASAP or me typing in what is a parent plus loan? Like things like that. I was just Googling away and reading and reading. Um, then that led me to becoming more familiar with the different type of loans that there are. So like the subsidized and unsubsidized, which one was gaining interest during school, which one was not. The parent plus loan, like how that, that tends to have like a higher interest rate than the federal student loans that I had in my name. Um, so I just started, you know, becoming more aware of student loans and educating myself. And then that led me to finding out that maybe I should refinance the parent plus loan because the parent plus loan at the time had a high interest rate. So if I essentially refinanced it, I knew that I could get a lower interest rate. Um, and then in long term, it'll help me, you know, by saving money because I wouldn't be gaining as much as much interest if it was lower. So that was kind of like the first step I took. Um, I did end up refinancing the Parent PLUS loan. So when I refinanced it, I found a lender that allowed me as the child to refinance it into my name. So I essentially cleared my mom from that debt. And that was a bit hard, I would say, just because I didn't really understand credit scores. I mean, I knew credit scores mattered and I knew I had a good credit score, but I didn't really understand like the soft tap or in like the, you know, the hard inquiry. Mm -hmm. So when I was applying to refinance, um, like these lenders on their website, they said, oh yeah, you know, like, well, we do that, et cetera. So I went ahead with it because the interest rate looked good. And then I get declined. I probably got declined from like two of them. And I was like, wait, why did I get declined? Like my my credit score is good. I'm confused. So then I actually called them you know, their customer service and they're like, oh, you got declined because you as the child cannot refinance for your mom. And I was like, well, your website doesn't really say that. Like it says I could, it's, why mm -hmm. did it let me continue then? Um, so that happened. So then I was like, okay, back to square one. And then I now knew going forward, okay, make sure I call and ask them specifically if me as this, you know, the child can refinance for my mom without needing my mom to co-sign because some of them required the parent to co-sign and my mom's credit score wasn't good at the time so had I used her my that interest rate that I had locked in probably would have been higher and then at that point it might have not even been worth refinancing got it so it sounds like you spent the first couple of months maybe just researching and making calls and trying to figure out the logistics of paying these down yeah, I would say it probably took me like a solid month because I refin I managed to refinance it around like the beginning of December 2018. Okay. And once you had a plan in place, how did you decide what you were going to tackle first? 
Yeah, so again, I was looking at it from like a mathematical standpoint, and I guess this is where my accounting degree comes in handy. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I understood now after doing research too, that I should tackle the parent loan that I essentially refinanced, so now it's a private loan, um, that I should tackle that one first because the interest rate there was still a little higher than the federal student loans. I think when I refinanced it, I got it down to about 4.8 or 4.9 versus like my federal loans, they were like maybe 2.6 or 3%. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I should essentially throw more of my money towards the private loan because the interest rate is higher. So that's basically the approach I did. I paid off maybe like instead of doing the minimum payments, because again, I never did just the minimum payments. I paid about like two to 3,000, um, the minimum payment amount each month towards the private loan. And then the federal loans, I put really just the minimum payment. Sometimes I put like maybe like a bit more, but I had it like aut automated versus the private one I didn't have automated because that one kind of varied every month. Okay, so in the debt-free world, they talk about the debt snowball and the debt avalanche. So it sounds like you did an avalanche approach. You did the minimum payment on the lower interest rate loans, and you put as much money as possible each month into the highest interest rate. Yeah, that's correct. And at the time, I didn't know that I was doing that method until after the fact. But yeah, it was the debt avalanche method I was using. Okay. So where did the money come from? Because you're, you're fresh out of school and you're working, but what were the things that you did to have that money to put extra onto your loans? Yeah, good question. So my first job out of college working in public accounting, I was not making that much. I mean, if you like the market, that market average was like 60K starting out. But I think what really helped me was the fact that I was working all throughout college at the big four accounting firm. And also like I had like, you know, like a part-time job. And so I was just really saving a bunch of money throughout my college life. Um, and I mean, now in hindsight, I should have been making the payments then, but I wasn't. So when I graduated, I had a large amount just sitting in savings. So as like, you know, I was becoming more aware of my student loan balance and how much I owed, I kind of just started liquidating that savings. Because again, it was just sitting in a normal savings account. It wasn't even a, in a high yield savings account, which again, I should have done. Um, but again, yeah, I just started liquidating that savings account. And I basically just got it down to where I just kept like a three month emergency fund. Um, okay. And then from there, every time I got paid, I essentially just through it at the loan. And were you living on your own? Were you at home? What was your life like in terms of your day-to-day -day expenses that allowed you to put that much money at your loans? Yeah, so at this time, um, at the big four accounting firm, I was living in Philly. Um, and my rent was about like $700. So it wasn't bad at all. I lived with friends. So I never like lived alone because I know I knew if I lived alone, then obviously my rent would be more expensive. And I feel like rent is, you know, obviously a fixed cost. So if I, if I could keep my rent as cheap as possible, then obviously that's more money for me to put towards my loans or more like quote unquote fun money. 
Um, so that's essentially how I looked at it too. And I did be start becoming more aware of my expenses. So I was never really one to like buy lunch during work at work. Um, I always meal prepped. I was always one to like look at the weekly ads before I would go to the store because I wanted to make sure that there is actually deals and good deals. Um, and then I will say something that really helped me was when I got my job in New York City. So that was at the end of April 2019. Um, so yeah, New York City is definitely a higher cost of living. Um, but my expenses stayed relatively low. I never paid more than a thousand in rent, um, which was really nice. Wait a and minute. Wait <laughs> a minute. <laughs> you did how how how? <laughs> how did I find such cheap rent? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I kind of felt like I'm not a super religious person, but I feel like it was kind of God looking out for me. So one of the other ways that I saved was when I first moved to New York City, I really just went from one job to the next and I found someone to sublease my Philly apartment literally the day before I left. So I got really lucky. But with that being said, I didn't look for a place in New York City to live because I was not about to pay double rent. I was like, there is no way I am paying double rent. Like I refuse. So that led me to couch surfing for a solid month. Um, I was sleeping on the couch with my friend. So it wasn't a random stranger. It was a college friend, but it wasn't like it was anything like luxurious, right? I like literally just packed like a carry-on luggage, brought my backpack, hopped on Megabus, which is a commonly known um, bus on the East Coast that people take from state to state, from state to state. So yeah, I just packed a luggage, my backpack, hopped on Megabus and called it a day and moved in to my friend's couch um so that saved me money but I was just I was being kind of nitpicky I would say um on where I wanted to live so when I first moved there I was on the couch and then I found um someone that was looking for a sublet so I took their took over like their lease and it was like a month-to-month -month thing but it wasn't in Manhattan so in Manhattan that's where you know like it's Rent, I would say is more expensive, especially if you want to be like in Midtown. So where I was staying with the sublease, that was in Queens, specifically in Astoria. Um, and that was $9.50 a month. And that was like everything included. And I actually lived with three guys and they had three cats, which wasn't really ideal. But <laughs> besides the point. <laughs> that sounds that like that. an interesting arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were nice. They were from the same city in Mexico that my dad was from so we bonded over that um and, you know like they were really nice I can't complain there but that apartment I would say it wasn't my ideal apartment it was cheap but it wasn't my ideal apartment but I just stayed there for a few months that summer and then I was looking for another apartment um and then I came across this ad on Facebook and it looked like a spam I mean like not a spam a scam and because I was like, okay, this is right by the waterfront. It's only 900. It's a luxury building. It has a doorman. Um, like, no, this sounds way too good to be true. And I've been across many people who have tried to scam me. So I was just like, this can't be true. But I was like, you know what? Like, let me message and see what they respond. And then I'll know if it's true or not. So I messaged the guy and it was really nice and everything. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to 
go see this place. He seems legit, so why not? So I go and see this place, and it's like, it's legit. <laughs> and I was just like, why is this place so cheap? Like, this is like a dream apartment. Um, and it was cheap because his it was essentially like a family-owned apartment. And he, I mean, he easily could have raised the price, but he didn't because, again, like, I guess, technically it's illegal to raise the price if he was to do that. Um, but yeah, so it was like $900. And the way he was doing it was he actually created like a selection process um, because again, it was a steal, right? So who wouldn't be interested in that place? So he, he showed the apartment to like over 60 people within like the span of a week. And he was like, okay, well, at the end of the week, I'm making like selections on who, you know, I'd essentially want to have as my roommates. And I was like, and oh, so okay, you basically well. you won the lottery to yeah. get this. <laughs> and I like <laughs> did not really expect cool. that. I was just like, oh, like when I went to go see it, I was like, oh, okay, I like it. Like, where do I put the deposit down or whatever? And he's like, oh no, I'm making selections. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I remember he sent me like the message. And I was like, oh, congratulations, you've been selected, type of thing. And I was like, wait, <laughs> really? And then I called my mom. I was like, mom, like I got that apartment that I told you. That's like the Manhattan skyline views and the doorman and this, this and that. And like, I just couldn't believe it. I was still in shock, but <laughs> That's so yeah, awesome. I, I got it. And I feel like that just comes down to like being like a genuine person. I know that might sound like cliche, but, that's what he said. I was like, why didn't you select me? Like, it was another girl that he selected too. Um, but he was just like, oh, you just seemed like down to earth, like responsible. You know, you seem like, you know, like I, we could actually be friends. So. And that's the thing. Part <laughs> of people's success, it comes down to their personality and the relationships that they build. So you're living in this apartment. It's amazing. It's affordable. And you're working hard. Was there anything else that you did to find money to put towards your debts? Yeah, so I would say like I did here and there like sell clothes like on Poshmark or throughout like me moving from Philly to New York, I essentially sold some stuff, but it wasn't anything really crazy. But I will say, obviously me moving to New York City, I was making more and obviously my rent was not expensive at all. Um, and at work, I actually was able to work overtime. So I definitely took that to my advantage. Um, so as a recruiter, our busy season is like basically all of the fall term. Um, because that's recruiting season in college. So I was definitely <laughs> racking up the overtime and that really helped me a lot. Um, and then even this past summer, um, one of the other recruiting teams needed help and I was willing to step up and help because again, like overtime and I knew it was going to be very busy. So I took advantage of that opportunity and again, was able to make more in overtime, but also in doing so like, my time was very limited too because I was working these crazy hours for an extended period of time and after a while that essentially caught up to me. What do you mean? Like I just I never really felt burnt out I mean if anything like working at a big four like that working 80 hour weeks I was like oh, okay I could work 60 hour weeks no problem right um, but I think from this from that last year working long hours in the summer and then in the fall by like November I was like burnt out and I was like I don't even want to work anymore I'm like checked out 
So I basically took all of December off. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's a caution to just people yeah. in general. You can go after your goals, but please don't burn out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I definitely burnt out. Like luckily I had a lot of PTO I used. So taking December off wasn't a problem. I was still getting paid. Um, but even when I came back, like in January, I was like, oh, I'm still feeling a little, a little burnt out. So yeah, definitely wow. be cautious there. And so when did you become debt free? Yeah, so I became debt free in November. It was November 19th, 2020. I remember the exact date. Congratulations. Did you celebrate? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> so when I made the payment, I wanted to call the lender myself. Um, so I could hear them say like you're debt free and I was trying to be like all sneaky about it and like make film myself making the phone call so I remember I borrowed my mom's phone to call and I used my phone to record but since it was my busy season I was still getting phone calls and it was like 7 8 p.m from candidates so when I was filming the video a candidate actually called me and now the video is split in half (laughs) and I I told the guy I was like um, sorry, you know, to be so extra, but could you repeat that I'm debt free? <laughs> I've never shared this video because it's horrible. And I was just like, I'm trying to like make a video and someone just called me. So I don't think it caught you on, on like the video. So can you just repeat it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was funny, but. <laughs> That's a funny story, <laughs> but congratulations. That is absolutely amazing. And so what is next for you financially? Yeah, so next, um, I mean, I found the FIRE movement. So that means that stands for financial independence, retire early with retire early being optional. Um, So now I feel like I really just want to reach FIRE. (laughs) I don't know if I'll retire early, but I do just want to essentially have enough money and passive income to have the opportunity to retire early if I wanted to. So right now I'm kind mm -hmm. of, oh, go ahead. And so for you, because FIRE can be different for different people, how are you planning to get to your FIRE number? Yeah, good question. So right now it's really just throwing all of my money into investment accounts or investing it in the market. So this year I want to like max out my 401k, my Roth IRA, just maxed out my Roth IRA for 2020 for the first time. So Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, so first I'm ta- tackling those tax advantageous accounts, and then I hope to make a brokerage to throw more of my money into and, you know, invest it there. Um, but right now with like the whole pandemic, I am back home, so I'm not paying rent. <laughs> so I haven't been paying rent since October. So I'm definitely taking advantage of the fact that I don't have to pay rent for once in my life. That's awesome. Yeah, the pandemic has definitely had its pros and cons. Uh, In terms of your debt-free journey, who are you grateful for? Yeah, good question. Um, I feel like if anything, like, I feel like I had to figure out a lot of things on my own. And I don't want this to come off as like me sounding cocky or anything, but I think I'm just grateful for my own self-will. because I feel like I, again, like I started from like not knowing much and then to accomplishing what I've accomplished. So I'm really just grateful that I didn't give up on myself. 
Yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense. You are the reason why you've gotten to where you are. Did anyone help you along the way? Well, your mom did because she took out the loans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm grateful that she took that loan out for me to like go to college. Definitely. I don't have regrets there. Um, and then I guess I'm just, I've had like a few friends that I would share it with and they're like, oh, well, that's amazing. But I feel like I didn't really talk much about it in the beginning. I would say, I, yeah, I would, didn't really talk much about it until like within the last year. Okay. And for anyone who's listening and they're trying to get a handle on their finances, whether it's understanding where they are right now or tackling debt or trying to figure out investing, what advice would you have for them? Yeah. So I think first off, you really just have to believe in yourself. And I know that's that was hard for me at first because I would just cloud my head with all these like negative things and just tell myself I was dumb for even accumulating that much in debt. Um, so definitely believe in yourself. And even if, you know, you feel like this goal or whatever type of goal it is that you want to accomplish, even if you feel like it's unrealistic or if people are telling you that it's unrealistic, then just take that as a sign that those people aren't there to support you. And you have to find people that are willing to support you and motivate you throughout your journey. Um, for me, also making like little money affirmation type of things helped me. So for instance, within my debt-free journey, I would always say like, I'm going to be debt-free, like I'm going to be debt-free by this date or like just keep repeating those thoughts in your head because then you start believing it and then eventually it happens <laughs> like it did for me. Um, your, your mindset is half of the battle, yeah. right? Yep. I feel like, yeah, mindset is key, definitely. Um, and then also, I think throughout the process, just every time you like feel like you've accomplished what you've accomplished it one step closer, I think it's important just to like treat yourself along the way. Like obviously treat yourself within your means. <laughs> Don't go accumulating more debt by treating <laughs> yourself. Um, so like for me, I'm like a big sweet tooth person. So when I was in New York City, I like loved exploring all the bakeries. So to me, that was like me treating myself. And that's awesome. Just try to embrace your journey, like find happiness within your journey. Cause I feel like the last thing I would want anyone to do is to be living like this horrible life for X amount of years and hating every moment of it. So I think definitely find the happiness in your journey. Oh, wow. That is that is amazing. Sophie, I absolutely love your story and I sing your praises all the time. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. If you would like to follow Sophie's journey, you can follow her on Instagram at Saving with Sophie. And she's also on Clubhouse at Sophie B. That's S-O-F-I-E and the letter B. Thank you for joining me today. Remember, you can check out new episodes every Monday and Friday. If you haven't already, please pop over to the website at healthywealthyroots.org. You can follow me on Instagram at healthywealthyroots. And I am now on Clubhouse at HWR. That's for Healthy Wealthy Roots, of course. 
Now you can also send in a voice message. The link for that is on the website and I may play it on the show. Remember, our future grows from healthy, wealthy roots. Since we're on the topic of debt, in the next episode, I will give a debt update. It has been a few months since I checked in and I kind of have a layout for my plan for the rest of 2021. So I want to update you. This podcast offers only a look at what I'm doing and is not meant to substitute the results you can get from working one-on-one with a professional.